Hi, this is Dr. Karen Becker, and we're anxious to hear more about some of the programs that Dr. Anahyam Bjorkman out of the University of Helsinki uh, in Finland is doing. Today, we're going to specifically discuss the FFQ that she has completed. So, uh, Dr. Anna, what is, what is the FFQ, and, and why did you do it? Uh, an FFQ stands for Food Frequency Questionnaire. And uh, I actually think that this is maybe the second food frequency questionnaire that has ever been posed, kind of given out to dog owners. Uh, and it is actually the first food frequency questionnaire that has ever asked about processing methods, for example, for foods. So uh, uh, this is an internet-based questionnaire. Uh, it has a lot of, uh, it's about, if you print it out, it's about 15 pages. And it gives me a spreadsheet of 1,332 variables. So there is a lot of data coming out from that. And we have now data from about 12,000 dog owners. Wow. Wow. And, yes. and that's, that's a big cohort. <laughs> yes, and, nice. and so Tala, can you share with us? So, is some basics of what you are finding? Well, uh, actually, what first I'll tell you a bit more about what uh, what we are asking. Okay. So we've been asking questions about uh, the dogs, what they eat, and and it comes from three different kind of. Although it's it's a snapshot, they kind of they they give their answers only once. But we've, we've asked the questions so that what did they give their dog as a puppy? Uh, and actually, even before that, that what did their breeders give to their dogs when they were really small puppies and, and, and still lived with the breeder? Uh, then we've asked them the puppy age, the young age, and then what they've been giving them as an adult. And also all type of diet changes, uh, where they live, what type of house, like the environment, uh, how much they walk the dog, how much it's outside per day. Uh, we've been asking questions about um, how many other dogs or how many other family members, people there are in the family, uh, and then also about all their diseases. So we, we in this dog risk project, what has uh, interested me not hasn't been only uh, kind of dog diseases, but since we have now in this data, we have like 117 diseases. Well, the, the, the things that we've started looking at are diseases that dogs and, and uh, humans have in common. Mm. So uh, I, we've been asking about a lot of diseases, but the, the Kind of the first ones we've been looking at has been like epilepsy, osteoarthritis, cancer, uh, lipomas, um, tartar, things like that that dogs and humans both have. Mm -hmm. And Super. Anna, when you set out uh, to, when you first designed and constructed this questionnaire, what was your goal in doing it? Uh, well, I had been working as a vet for 30 years and I had been using raw food as a therapy for very many diseases. And especially for, for dogs with uh, 
atopy and allergy type of, of skin rash, itching diseases, for um, diabetes dogs, for pancreatitis dogs, for, for uh, lots of dogs actually. And uh, I had this, uh, like we call it, uh, this hunch uh, which doesn't, you know, that, that didn't lean on any type of, of uh, research. It was just like my own anecdotal uh, results from, from using it for, for, for then about that time. It was about 15 years. And I wanted to see if I would put this question of if raw food actually helps dogs with a certain types of diseases, if I would put that through kind of a, a, a research scrutiny that would I still find the same results. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of pushing me to do it. So you designed this very extensive, very detailed questionnaire. Thousands yeah. of dog owners filled it out. And, uh, and then you put the results into your database, which is massive, I know. Yes. And do you want to, sh do you want to share with us what happened next? <laughs> yes. Well, well, actually, what was uh, interesting uh, was that when I put, uh, you know, like, how they live and how old they are and what sex they are and uh, what they how much they have activity per day and uh, uh, all of these things and everything that they were eating mm -hmm. i found the strongest uh, associations between diseases and in several diseases between the food and uh, the, what I could see was that when I was uh, putting in all of these uh, normal things that could be kind of confounding variables like sex and or gender and age and breed. And, and, and whether they were spay, spayed and neutered, you had mentioned that yes, vaccine. All of these things uh, and then looking at associations between the food that they have been eating and the diseases, uh, we found a lot of these very significant associations. Mm -hmm. And the good thing with this data is that we can place things so that we can we can look at things that they were eating first mm -hmm. and then see that they got the disease after. So we get this kind of, even though this is a, a one-time answer, uh, they put out for us what they were eating as young and puppy and uh, until this and that, and then they got the disease. So we, we can kind of time frame uh, the disease to, to be somewhere after this and that diet. And uh, there was things like, like, for example, with the atopy and allergy dogs, we could see that things like... Uh, Having a mother that had atopy, mm -hmm. um, for example, uh, increased your risk of, of getting atopy. Also, if you had more than 50% white in the coat, mm -hmm. uh, increased your risk of, of uh, getting atopy or allergy type of, of skin diseases. And uh, also foods. 
So uh, the biggest surprise, maybe, or actually it wasn't a surprise, but but it was uh, it was what I had anticipated. But uh, so was that we in fact could see uh, a diminished risk of getting atopy and allergy, osteoarthritis, uh, epilepsy, and many other diseases if they were eating raw food. Hmm. And and that was that was so nice. It, it is. It is. It is so nice. And uh, we uh, actually we haven't published it yet because uh, we haven't validated the, the questionnaire thoroughly. We validated one article we already have out where we are looking at um, uh, all of these non-food items, but uh, now we've just collected kind of a, a food uh, diary from, from uh, dogs that have been uh, uh, answering the, the questionnaire. And what we are looking at now and uh, uh, is that, that what they uh, what they say they are feeding, they actually are feeding. Mm -hmm. So we, that's the way you validate it. And then we've also asked dog owners twice the same questionnaire uh, to, to kind of fill it in twice. And there again, we see that, that the responsiveness is, is really Ma Matches, good. yeah. So we're getting really interesting results. And um, actually, one of the things that we would need some funding for is, is getting uh, the validated uh, or the validation uh, now completed because the, the student I had that was doing that is not with the group anymore and also our epidemiologist uh, had to quit because we lost funding at the, the, the end of last year. So actually this project is one of the biggest things that we really need this funding for at the moment, yeah. just to, to have money to pay somebody to come in and, and, and work on this. And so if we're capable of getting this project funded, and it's so important because of the sheer number of dogs of data that you have on, this is probably yeah. uh, certainly one of the largest studies that I'm aware of pertaining to food yes. with as many dogs as you have. What would your next step be, Anna? If we were to secure funding, what would then what would you do next? Well, with this this project, what I would do next is uh, I would finalize the validation of this study, which means that uh, we would have to write up uh, an article. Uh, the next step after that would be to uh, do maybe some final analysis on on uh, using Fox regression and logistic regression in, in really putting in all the possible co-founders that could uh, have anything to do with the results that we see to secure that we still have the results when everything is in. So um, actually doing these two that would get out with first the validation study to be published in a peer-reviewed journal and then after that, actually just taking any of 20 diseases where we see this and just publishing 20 papers on the, the association between 
uh, eating different diets and either protect, getting a protective effect from the diet or ge getting a heightened risk from the diet, uh, that would be my next steps. Well, and those are critical questions. We all have those questions, whether we're veterinarians or we're pet parents. Of yeah. course, we believe in our hearts that we're feeding uh, the best food uh, that we're aware of for our pets, but we don't know. We don't have no. we don't have anyone validating that. So you being no. able to look at the association between a dog's home environment, uh, what their yeah. lifestyle is, how much exercise they get, the 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 foods that they eat, um, but then also, the, of course, the disease that either the, that either is manifested or the disease that isn't manifested. Yeah. It's really important, and so this particular study would help define some of those parameters and questions that we all have, but, but no one's been able to correlate. So we are anxiously hoping that we're able to, all of us, help support you in getting this information out there for us. I think that uh, uh, being a veterinarian just like you are, um, I think that this is really the key uh, that we veterinarians need because we are trained to use evidence-based medicine and if we are thinking even of using nutrition for either preventing or treating diseases then we use nutrition as medicine and then we really should know that there's kind of evidence behind uh, that it either helps or or uh, increases the risk and I mean just think about how important this is for all pet mm -hmm. owners to to be able to um, by themselves take decisions in their own kitchen on on how to be able to either help or or actually maybe having then a bad bit of a bad conscience of, of uh, using something that that preliminary results show that are maybe not so healthy for your dogs. Right. And that's that I think is the most important point is that in the US, you know, we're all told to feed processed foods, but really long the long-term studies proving that processed foods are uh, are healthy for dogs have never been done or not healthy no. for dogs. We as veterinarians know that food matters, but no one has done these these lifetime or lifestyle studies to be able to prove what type of food could be healing or harmful for dogs long term. So we appreciate yeah. that the FFQ is one of the uh, programs or projects involved in dog risk and a very, very important one. I think kind of the foundation research project yeah. that has kind of brought the dog risk program to light. And I couldn't be more exciting about, I couldn't be more excited to not only help support this, but to see the results, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that the FFQ uh, is a project that has, uh, is actually the foundation to all of our other studies because this is where we make hypotheses. So what we want to do is find uh, some kind of associations and then test them in diet interventions. A second thing, if we would be able to get millions of, of dollars so that we wouldn't have to spend all this time that we do now all the time for trying to get money and get money and get money is uh, going into this database again send all these people new questionnaires uh, and asking them about 
what diseases they have now. Mm -hmm. Because we have a lot of dogs that answered, let's say, eight years ago, six years ago, that were maybe one year old. And all of these dogs, we have wonderful data from what they were eating when they were small, which is just, they kind of just put that data in and then, then you know, the, the dog has grown five, six, seven, eight years from that. And now it has the diseases. So if we'd go back and ask the same questions of what diseases in the meantime they have been getting and what type of changes they've made to their diets, this is a kind of a non-ending mm -hmm. uh, database. Until the dog dies, it can give us information on, it's kind of a, you know, like a survival uh, graph. So we can see that this is what has happened. And uh, these diseases the dog has had, or these diseases they didn't get, and, and go back to a really good data that they put in at a young age. So uh, really, uh, I could take in easily five more researchers just to work on this FFQ data. For any researcher, always, the biggest hurdle is funding. You have yeah. more ideas, you've got endless ideas, you've got endless dogs waiting, yeah. you've got, we, we've got a lot of information that we want to relay about how and why food matters, but it's getting the money to be able to complete the research, to be able to publish the research, to be able to give it back to pet owners to make good decisions. So yes. what we're hoping is by bringing awareness to some of these programs that Dog Risk is involved in, that we're capable of generating interest and in turn funds so we can begin to learn and, and apply what the, what, what the results are. So we're all very excited to be supporting you in whatever way we can, but this week financially to bring some of these projects to fruition. And I appreciate you dreaming, masterminding them, dreaming them up, and then most importantly, putting them into action to provide yes. research that all of us desperately need. Thank you, Dr. Bjorkman, for everything you do. Thank you.